Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today.
set the stars in place. There is nothing you cannot handle. There is nothing that surprises you. So as we come into your presence this morning, let us proclaim with our voice that you are the way maker. You will make a way through it all. Let us lean on the hope that is in you. Let us lean on the God who created the universe and who created us with a song in our heart. Lift up the truth found in these words. Come on, come on. As we are gathering this morning in homes and in areas where we are just being together away from each other, we welcome you to South Valley Online this morning. And we pray that as you come into the presence of the Lord this morning, that you just invite him into your homes. You stand in your presence of the Lord and just proclaim his glory and give him praise. Join with us and sing with us, interact and just have a time of church in your home. Let everyone in your neighborhood know that something glorious is going on. We're going to share a new song with you this morning that, again, reminds us of the victory that is found in God. We know that there are a lot of things going on in the world around us that are out of control. But as we just spoke and we just sang, God is a way maker. 
Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, we know God is at work. And it tells us in the book of John, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that is the truth that is found in God's word. That is the truth and hope that is found in God. So as we introduce this song, if you know it, if you've heard it, sing along with us. And if this is the first time, let it just wash over you. Let it just come into the presence of your home and speak to your heart. Take what the enemy 
Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we invite you 
into where we are. You see each and every one of us. I pray this morning as we come into your presence, we would sense your peace, Lord. That our spirit would feel it is well. Because you hold us in the palm of your hand, Lord. And you know all things. You know what's going to happen. You know how things are going to play out. Everything is in your hands, Lord. So again, let us rejoice in the truth of our hope that is found in you. Of a God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to claim victory over death, Lord. To claim victory over sin and reclaim us as your sons and daughters, Lord. So this morning, I pray that every heart is reminded of that. I pray for hearts that may not understand that truth of the love you have for them, that you would speak to their hearts this morning and they would want to know what it means to have a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And as we turn to your word this morning, Lord, let us take a moment to take you in, hear what you have to say and receive you, Lord, and give you praise for the great God that you are. We thank you for this time. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to worship you and look forward to how you're going to move throughout this day and throughout this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, South Valley. It is a great day, and we get to worship the Lord. We get to be in his presence, and we know that we're not necessarily together in a building, but wherever we are, the Lord is there. And he is worthy of praise in all circumstances and at all times. So we thank you for being part of our services this morning. And we want to let you know how you can stay connected throughout the week. We have uh, several things going on throughout the week. And you can stay connected by going to our website, svcclamore.org. And from there, you can see all the things that we are, have going on throughout the week. We have things like uh, Thursday Night Bible Study with Frank you can tune into. We have uh, devotionals with Pastor Marcus going on. Uh, we also have... Uh, anything that has to do with children from our children's ministry, our youth ministry with foundations. And uh, my wife and I, we were doing Tuesday night worships from our home. And uh, we took a break during July, but we are going to come back and do Tuesday night worship again live on Tuesday nights in August. So we'd love to have you join us for that. And of course, uh, continue to spread the word and allow people to join us uh, on Sunday mornings from their homes. I would challenge you this week, to get that word out to people. Tell them, go visit our website, svcclamore.org, and watch the services and tune in because there is just a great way that God can connect with people even though we can't be together in one building. We also just want to, uh, again, encourage you. We are so thankful for your diligence in giving to God's work and giving to his kingdom. And as we uh, are continuing to do this, whatever God has blessed us with, we can give back to him and he can use it beyond our own means and multiply it to do his work across the world and in this community. And as you can see on the screen, we have different ways you can give. You can go and give online at svcclamore.org and select donate, or you can go and uh, give by text or even make a check out and send it to South Valley Community Church. Again, we thank you so much for your diligence in that and your stewardship in that. And if you are tuning in with us and maybe South Valley isn't your church home, please don't feel the need to have to give. If you'd like to, we'd love to be able to receive that, but you do not need to feel uh, any type of guilt of not needing to, to give at all in that circumstance. And again, throughout this week, I would just like to give you something to hold on to that has been on my heart. And that is the idea that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting world. Throughout this week, I want you to pray about maybe who God has put in your line of sight 
Who do you need to make a phone call to? Who do you need to maybe send a text to or check in on? Maybe even invite them out just for a walk. We just want to make sure that people are cared for and people are loved. Because throughout this time, we know we may be distanced, but that doesn't mean that God cannot continue to use you in his work. So again, thank you for being with us this morning. We pray God would move in your life, and we thank you for being with us. Hello, everyone. Grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ, especially the peace part. Hardly a day goes by that you don't hear or see something new happening in our nation that just gives you ample reasons to, to stress out. Uh, we are living in a, seems like a powder keg, doesn't it? And uh, if we didn't have enough to worry about, something happened uh, in, in our home here just somewhat recently. My wife, Teresa, many of you know her. She's so sweet and loving and just what a, what a wonderful lady she is. But she enjoys watching the uh, Identi uh, Investigation Discovery Channel. You know, that's where they're investigating all of the murders and all of those things. I don't particularly care for that particular channel. Don't watch those shows. But I began to tease her about this uh, desire to watch all those shows. And, and, and honey, are you watching these because you're trying to figure out how to get rid of me? Uh, and get away with it? Is that what you're doing? And, and of course, she plays it up. Oh, no, I, I, would, I would never do that. Well, we, we tease each other a little bit about that. And, and uh, here, here recently, uh, I went to bed one night, and, uh, and she came in into the bedroom there, and, and she, she, she bent down and gave me a kiss. And instead of saying goodnight, she said goodbye. <laughs> well, <laughs> she didn't mean to say that. And she started laughing, and I said, hey, do I need to call my mother in case I wake up dead? I mean, what are you doing here? And we had some fun about that. And, and you know, and that, that was, that's fun, and we still continue to tease each other about those things. Try to, try to sleep without stress when your wife tells you goodbye when she kisses you goodnight. Uh, I, I heard a story a little bit uh, along those same lines, and uh, perhaps maybe not quite as, quite as humorous as that. A, a man and uh, his wife went to a doctor. He had been very sick. He was losing clumps of hair. Uh, some of his internal organs were acting up. He was, you know, had uh, ulcers, just very, very sick. And they went to the doctor, and the doctor uh, diagnosed him as having a very serious, a severe a stress disorder. And so the doctor had called the, the man's wife into the office, and he began to explain what she could do to, to, to help bring him back to some, some good health. Uh, he told her that every morning you, you need to make sure he eats a, a delicious, nutritious breakfast um, so that he begins to get some of his health back for lunch. Make sure he eats a nutritious meal and for dinner. Just kind of go over the top and, and really prepare things that he absolutely loves. Uh, second, you really need to make sure that you yourself personally are pleasant at all times. You know, don't badger him, don't nag him. Uh, don't expect him to do all the chores around the house that he maybe is a company, uh, used to doing. And more important than all of those things, he said, you really need to be at least two or three times a week intimate with each other. And she's got tears swelling up in her eyes and she just nods her head and as she walks out and they're walking silently to the car, her and her husband, and he finally asks her, what did the doctor say? And she said, he said, you're going to die very soon. Well, I know you're laughing by faith. <laughs> I know because you're horrible about laughing at those jokes. Last week, we spent some time in Psalm 37, and I want you to find your Bible 
uh, and, and open it to Psalm 37 again. We're going to continue our study. Last week we just had one point that we looked at and that was trust the Lord when your resources vanish. Sometimes we said God will bring us to a place in our lives where he is our only option. We have no other choice but to trust him and that's one of the ways he teaches us to trust him. He wants to put us in sort of a cul-de-sac, back us into a corner and we have no other option but to say God if it's up to you that's where he wants us to be. The second thing in terms of a command, the first one was trust in the Lord. The second one is in verse 4 as we continue our walk through Psalm 37, the first few verses. The second command is to delight in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight in the Lord when your plans disintegrate. You delight yourself in the Lord, verse 4 says, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Do you know why we fret sometimes when our plans disintegrate? It's usually because our delight, our joy is tied up in those things. Consequently, we lose our joy when those plans are being threatened. You know this well. There is only one source of joy that can never be threatened, and that is the Lord. When you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart will be met. Now, if you delight in finances, the desire of your heart can be threatened. If, you desire, if your delight is in your career, that can be threatened as well. Now, a lot of people have misinterpreted verse 4. And they've, 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 they get the idea that if I love God, if I delight in God that I can have whatever I want. If I love God, I can name, I can claim, and whatever I desire, then God is bound by my faith to deliver whatever that thing is I desire. I don't believe that's what this is saying, folks. I, I would counter that sort of erroneous thinking by saying, if God and He alone is your delight, then you've already got what you want. Do you remember Paul's words to the Philippian believers from last week where Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I've learned how to be abased. I've learned how to abound in everything and in all things. I've learned to be full. I've learned to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he, he concludes that thought with this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is saying no matter what life throws my way, no matter what difficulty or prosperity... I'm faced with. I can trust Christ to see me through it all no matter what. And so you think about this. God allows us to go through those situations because it does in fact teach us He's trustworthy. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on His faithfulness. And if we aren't feeding our minds on His faithfulness, we will lose our trust. You see, our sinful natures lends itself to distrust, doesn't it? When our children were small, just young little ones running around the house, I would at times stand them up on my, my workbench in the garage. 
And then I would take a step back and they would just leap into my arms and just giggle and, and they just absolutely loved it. And they wanted daddy to do this over and over and over and over and over again. And it was a lot of fun for them. But I found I had to be careful because I don't remember which one of our children it was. But I remember I, I, I stood them up on the bench and I, and I, and I took a step back. But I could tell that there was something behind me, so I just glanced real quick down to make sure I didn't trip over it backwards. And about the time I looked down, there was a little kid in my hands. <laughs> they surprised me. So I learned to have to be very careful. But, but I tell you that story to tell you this. As, as they grew a little bit older, they began to hesitate to jump. They would get up there, and it got to the point where I had to kind of coax them. Come on, I'm, you... You can trust your dad. I'm going to catch you. Huh? I've never dropped you. I've never dropped you. And I would have to talk them into jumping. They just, as they grew and got just a little bit older, they began to learn to distrust. We have to learn to trust in the Lord before we can ever live with delight in the Lord. You and I will never find our delight in the Lord if we don't first trust in the Lord. And so he says in verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And folks, I take that to mean that God will give me, he will place in my heart the things that he desires me to have. In reality, the innermost needs of our lives is the Lord himself. Has anyone ever given you the advice when making a, a big decision just follow your heart. Anybody ever told you that? Probably have. You know the problem with that. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, I don't trust my heart to want the right things. I know this to be the case because I've wanted the wrong things before. Delighting in the Lord puts us in a place where our Lord gives us proper desires. Listen to an, an admission by, by King David. Psalm 86 verse 11. Here's what David admits. Lord, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart. Literally, it's give me singleness of heart. Give me singleness of heart to fear your name. David admits, Lord, sometimes my heart is divided Sometimes I want to do things that honor you. Other times I do things that reflect that I don't really fear your name. And he admits it. Lord, teach me. Teach me your way. I have to learn this. Teach me your way, Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to do what's right, to fear you, to make the right decisions. And so I ask you, folks, is, is the Lord Jesus Christ, is your Lord and King Jesus Christ, the chief desire of your heart. In terms of the words of Revelation 2.4, is the Lord your first love? In the words of Matthew 6.33, is His kingdom and His righteousness what you seek first and foremost? Are you as passionate about your king and his kingdom advancing as you are about your constitutional rights as an American? Don't misquote and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. No one listening to me right now loves this country more than me. 
No one is more grateful for the men and women who have fought and died for the freedoms we've enjoyed. No one listening to me right now is more heartsick over the moral decline and the devaluing of human life that has taken over this nation than I am. But having said that, my first allegiance is to my king and his kingdom. When John the Baptist came on the scene, his message started this way, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came on the scene before he ever called his disciples, Matthew 4, it says he came on the scene and his message was identical to John's, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached the kingdom. John the Baptist preached the kingdom. And then Jesus tells his followers in Matthew 6, two chapters later, seek first. Make it the priority. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Folks, that statement alone supersedes all other priorities and allegiances for those who are citizens of the kingdom. Philippians 3.20 says this, that our citizenship is in heaven. Paul said in Ephesians 2.19 that we were fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. When Pilate was trying Jesus, Pilate just asked him point blank, Are you a king? And Jesus' response was, You say rightly that I am a king. But then Jesus added this, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus was saying that the servants from his kingdom operate on a different set of standards, a different set of priorities. And folks, delighting in the Lord means that all we say and all we do should bring honor and glory to our King. So that means delighting in the Lord governs our conduct. It governs our tongues. It governs our priorities. It governs our posts on social media. It governs how we face life when our plans begin to disintegrate. When the kingdoms of this world begin to crumble under the weight of godlessness, we confidently hold on to the rock of our salvation. Our hope, our delight, isn't in political reform. Our hope, our delight, isn't in social reform. Our hope is anchored in the sure foundation of our omnipotent king. David said in Psalm 22, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, the things that we held as valuable begin to be replaced with a heart's desire that reflects the eternal and not the temporal. It's a beautiful old hymn. Many of you know it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Right? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Get your eyes on Jesus. Delight in Him. Paul would put it this way in Colossians 3, If you are then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind or your affections 
on things above, not on the things of the earth. That's delighting in the Lord. Your delight is in the king and his kingdom and the priorities and the values of his kingdom. Corrie Ten Boom was a woman used greatly by God during World War II to smuggle countless Jews from being captured by Nazi soldiers. And she one time said this, quote, Look around and you'll be distressed. Look within and you'll be depressed. Look to the Lord and you'll be at rest. Delight yourself in the Lord, end quote. Isn't that so true? I said last week that God will test our hearts to teach us that we can, in fact, trust his faithfulness. David prayed a very courageous prayer in Psalm 139. Verse 23, look at this bold prayer, very honest, open, transparent prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, that means to put me to the test. And know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. Listen, folks, what David is saying there is God, test me. You know my anxieties. You know when I'm fretful. And if you find that my priorities, that my attitudes are wrong, my conduct is wrong, if there is any wicked way in me, then lead me in the way that's everlasting. In other words, help me to focus on the things eternal, not the things temporal. God will often put our hearts to the test. And listen, He won't give us a passing grade until He becomes the chief delight of your heart. Can you say along with David as he said in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Folks, family, wealth, homes, jobs, freedoms are all things that can be threatened, aren't they? That's why in 1929 when the stock market crashed, People were jumping out of buildings to their death. You know why? They were jumping out of those buildings because their delight was in the stock market and their finances. And when their plans and their dreams disintegrated, they took the option to end their life. That shouldn't be part of the Christian mentality at all. I'm sure you agree with that. Let me give you an example. A biblical illustration of what delighting in the Lord looks like. Okay? Hebrews chapter 10. Beginning in verse 32, the writer of Hebrews says this, But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, in other words, you had your eyes opened, you realized who Jesus was. He said, After that point you endured a great struggle with sufferings, Partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing 
that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now let me ask you a question. What if you got home tonight and somebody had been through your house and emptied your house because you're a follower of Jesus Christ? What if some soldiers came in and took away everything you had? That's what was happening to these early Christians, folks. In Hebrews 10, 34 says, they took joyfully the spoiling of their goods because they knew in themselves that they had a place in heaven with better and enduring substance. Folks, that's someone who's delighting in the Lord. They delight in the Lord when their dreams and their plans disintegrate. Do you want to know everything you have that really counts? You add up everything you have that money can't buy and death can't take away. That's how you know what you have really matters. These early Christians saw their houses looted, their material things taken away, and yet they were praising and taking delight in God. I have to ask myself a question. Could I do that? Could you do that? It's been rightly said, you can tell a lot about a person by what makes them mad, what makes them sad, or what makes them glad. You can tell a lot of person by what makes them mad, sad, or glad. Delight yourself in the Lord. Let Him put within your heart eternal desires. Let Him be the focal point and the delight of your life. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. The third command that we see is in verse 5, and that is commit your way to the Lord. And folks, you commit your way to the Lord when your lifestyle is threatened. Commit your way to the Lord, trust. There is that word again, also in Him. He shall bring it to pass. All of our lifestyles changed September 11, 2001. We will never travel through the skies the same way again. Things have changed. Our lifestyles were altered a little bit. And again, in March of this year, once again, our lifestyles were threatened. It's probably an understatement to say it, but I'll say it anyway. We don't want our lifestyles changed. <laughs> if you're like me, leave me alone. I like my lifestyle. I like my routine. I like my comfort. Now, we can put up with, with a lifestyle change when we go on vacation. You sleep on a different pillow. You sleep in a different bed. You have to do certain things a different way. You have to go somewhere to find food to eat. And if you're like me, you always think it's good to be back home, back in your house, back to your routine. But folks, when our lifestyle is threatened, that's when we need to really commit our way. To the Lord. The word way actually refers to lifestyle. It has, listen, you look this up, it has the, the idea of a well traveled path. That's the way we're used to living, a well traveled path. There's, there is comfort in the routine and in the predictable. And when that's threatened, we quit trusting. That's how come he says, commit your way to the Lord and trust also in Him. 
Commit your lifestyle to the Lord. Trust in Him. He'll bring it to pass. Put yourself completely in His hands. Commit it to Him. Give it to Him. Roll it on Him. Or in the words of, of Peter in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Think about this, friends and family. If you do that, your standard of living may be changed, but not your standard of life. You can cast that on the Lord. Your way, your lifestyle. I believe wrapped up in the word your way can also include your reputation as well as your lifestyle, the way that you are. Commit, commit your personality, your way to the Lord. You don't have to defend yourself if somebody says something bad about you. That's why he begins, do not fret when evildoers do things and when the wicked work out their iniquitous plans. You don't have to defend yourself if somebody says something bad about you. By the way, that's been known to happen. Trust me. <laughs> but folks, if they do, if it's true what they say, then commit it to the Lord and thank Him for the criticism and try to improve. But if what they said about you wasn't true, then thank God those folks don't know just how rotten you really are. Praise God for that, right? Commit your way to the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 5 and 6 again. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. He'll bring it to pass. And look what He will do with, with your personality, if you will. Your person. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light. If people speak bad about you and it's true, then you need to correct that. But if they slander you falsely for the name of Jesus, God's got you. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. When the wicked speak all manner of evil against you, you don't become fretful. You don't become vengeful. You don't try to retaliate because you see, God knows the real truth about your life. He knows you. He holds you in His hand. And if we're trusting in the Lord and He is our chief delight and we've committed all of our ways to Him, here's what happens. Drop down in chapter 37 down to verse 23. Let me show you this. We're delighting. We're trusting. We're committed to Him. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I love this. And He, that is God, delights in his way even though he fall he shall not utterly be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand let's paraphrase that folks our steps when we're delighting in the Lord he orders our steps we're doing what he wants us to do the way he wants us to do it we're behaving in a pattern and in a, in a, in a way that is consistent with his character we're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness to borrow again from that passage when we're delighting in the Lord, committing our way, trusting Him, I love verse 23 because it says that He delights in us. When we delight in God, He takes delight in us. And we don't live perfectly, do we? Because even if we fall, even if we stumble, and we do have those places in our life where we falter and we stumble and we react, it says even when that happens, he's not gonna, we're not going to be utterly cast down. It won't be all over for us, for the Lord upholds that person with his hand. God upholds your 
lifestyle when it's being threatened. You cast your burdens on the Lord, your way, your lifestyle, and you trust in Him. You give it to Him. He takes delight in that. A salesman was failing in his life miserably. I read this this week. He simply, he just couldn't sell a thing. His life was falling apart. He, he wore an old, tattered, worn-out suit. He drove a rattle-trap old rusty car. His wife was disheveled and, frankly, somewhat homely. His kids were flunking out of school. He lived in a hovel that once resembled a house. The guy was the epitome of loser. And then it said that one day he simply changed. He began to stand up straight. He put a smile on his face. He dressed up nice, started driving a better car. His kids began making great grades in school. His wife went to the beauty shop, got herself overhauled. And his life just changed radically. Everybody was noticing, this is a different man. And a friend asked him, what did you do? And he said, well, if you remember, I used to be a man who worried and fretted about everything all of the time. And it was just sapping me of my strength. I couldn't do what I was supposed to do. I couldn't be what I wanted to be. And I just say, you know what? I quit worrying. I quit fretting over all that stuff. Man, how'd you do that? His friend asked. He said, well, I found in our city that there is a company, there's a firm that has professional worriers. And I go there at least once a week. I cast all my cares and worries on them. And they worry for me which has freed me up to do and to be everything I want to be. And his friend says, that's, that's fantastic. How much does that cost? He said, it costs about $2,000 a week. He says, for goodness sakes, how are you going to pay for that? He said, that's not for me to worry about. That's for them to worry about. Folks, there's somebody that you can roll your burden on, that you can cast your burden on, and it doesn't cost $2,000 a week. The Bible says, just commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. He will bring it to pass. Cast your burden on the Lord when your lifestyle is being threatened, when your way doesn't seem to be right. The fourth command, verse 7, rest in the Lord when He seems to be slow in His acting. Rest in the Lord when He seems slow to act. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Once you trust in the Lord, Jesus becomes the chief delight of your heart, and you've committed all of your ways to the Lord You've transferred all of your burden and your worries on him. He said, cast your burdens on me. My, my yoke is light. Cast it on him. Once you've done that, then and only then can you rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. The word rest literally has the idea of being silent before the Lord. Some of your Bibles translate that they render it that way in your Bible. What it means is when you're resting in the Lord, you're, you're not murmuring, you're not grumbling, you're not complaining, you're resting in Him. It's a, it has the idea of being silent before Him. 
How many of you have ever been fretful and frustrated because you were in a hurry and God wasn't? Me too. <laughs> Me too. But he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Don't fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. And right now you're saying, yeah, but when? <laughs> but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and look at this, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Folks, the abundance of peace. That's the opposite of being fretful. Listen, I know, I know our nation is in bad condition. Decades of removing God from everything has taken its toll. Corruption and chaos stems from those who would bring wicked schemes to pass. We can respond by becoming fretful and frustrated and lash out in anger. Or we can trust in the Lord and do good. We can delight in the Lord and embrace those things that cannot be threatened. We can commit our ways to the Lord and give our worries and those things which seek to burden us to the Lord. And we can rest in the Lord and wait patiently for His plan to unfold. What's your response going to be to what we're going through today? David in Psalm 30 verse 5 said, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Here's a truth about sunrise. You can't hurry it up. But another fact is that you can't stop it. And folks, I believe one of these days in God's timing, He's going to pull back the shades of night, open the door of morning, and flood your world with His joy and His peace. But for now, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Think about this. Right now, this very moment, there is absolutely no panic in heaven. There is only plans and purpose. When we trust in the Lord, when we delight in the Lord, when we commit to the Lord, when we rest in the Lord, we're going to find that we're far too blessed to be stressed. Folks, relax. The sovereign, omnipotent God of the universe has got this. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we rest in the fact that this is our Father's world. Lord, you rule over the nations just like you do the hearts of the kings. And Father, we, your children, can become so engulfed in the, the surrounding sin that like, like Lot, our righteous soul is vexed. We get caught up in the negativity until pretty soon, Lord, we almost sound like the very people who are lost. 
And we're not living as light set on a hill. We're not walking cautiously, circumspectly. Because the days are evil. Like your word tells us, we are to walk circumspectly, not, not foolishly. And we're to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, Peter said. And Father, we may not be doing that. And so I pray that through this message, all of those who tune into it would be encouraged to evaluate their priority. Are they trusting in you, delighting in you, committing it all to you, and then having done that, rest and wait for you. For your word says, Lord, that we should wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and you would strengthen our hearts. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That's hard for us to do, Lord, because we're in a hurry. But you have a plan and you have a purpose. And Father, we want to be wise enough to redeem the time because the days are evil. We can be serving, worshiping, ministering, telling others about Jesus. Not fretting, not worrying, but serving. Our King and His kingdom. May Lord, You be with each one who hears us. I pray they are strengthened in the inner man today, finding new courage to face tomorrow, because tomorrow is in fact a day that You have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We'll take delight because of our God who's on the throne. And if there is one listening now who has never entrusted their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then I pray that today they would bow and by faith invite Christ into their life. Lord, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Have a good and godly week. I hope you feel strengthened today. Take care.